Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. This show is being recorded on Mother's Day. To all the moms out there doing your best, thank you. If you have a mom that's still on this side of the dirt, and you're in communication with her, and you celebrate Mother's Day, I hope you had a great day. All my mom wanted this year for Mother's Day was a tuna sandwich from a local sandwich shop. It sounds weird, but it's true. Uh, so I brought her a uh, lunch this afternoon and some Mother's Day cards. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. In addition to hosting People Are the Enemy and working as a regular full-time job, I'm also a senior writer for the music blog Surviving the Golden Age. And I'm a novelist. There is no Patreon set up for People Are the Enemy, and there are no ads. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality literature, please consider purchasing one or two of my books. I'm the author of nine novels that are all currently available in both ebook and paperback formats worldwide via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can Find all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find my books on Google Play. If you prefer paperbacks but you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my novels in a physical format at barnesandnoble.com. BN.com if you're tight on time. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 227 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thanks for checking it out. Why would you be anywhere else? I can't imagine why. Anyway, uh, hope you're doing well. Hope everything is going okay in your world. Uh, holy moly, this is probably the latest I think I've ever recorded this show. It's coming up on 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. It's weird because I wrote that intro like <laughs> this morning and uh, I had to kind of turn everything into the past tense, like it was before I went to bring my mom lunch, and I was like, while well, reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, you wrote this at 11 a.m., Andy. All these things have already happened, you know? But it was a busy day. Mother's Day is a busy day in my household. My wife uh, my wife is a mother, and uh, as such, we need to, to celebrate properly, and my mother is a mother, obviously. <laughs> and as such, uh, we need to celebrate properly. So there was a lot of uh, comings and goings in our household today. A lot of stuff going on. But, uh, and here it is. Now it's 11 o'clock after I've done everything else I, I needed to do. I just I just finished an album review um, of a really great album. I kind of don't want to tell you what it is. I don't want to spoil it. I'd rather you read it. 
Uh, but I love this album, and I rarely give albums uh, as high a rating as I gave this album. I'll say that. I, I try to, you know, I've listened to a lot of music. I've heard a lot of stuff that I consider absolutely great. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I, it's, I'm not easily uh, blown away. How's that? By an album or by a record. But uh, this, this, this album I've been listening to for the last two weeks and sat down to write about tonight really, really uh, grabbed me. And uh, it was really wonderful. So if, if you follow me on Twitter or you follow my writer's page on Facebook, you'll see a post uh, in the coming days for an album and you'll know which one I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, I'd rather not spoil anything. I'd rather, again, you read it. But uh, yeah, excellent, excellent. It's always great it's when I listen to an album and I really love it and I'm able to write glowingly about it. And I, at, that, at those moments, I really want to express how I feel and try to convey the excitement and the experience of listening to something wonderful to uh, to a reader, you know. I like uh I like reading album reviews. I like reading reviews of anything, you know, and I I think uh I I'm the kind of person who thinks like even a bad review can make me want to buy an album. That's that's happened. <laughs> that still happens. I am so I'm not like that kind of person who thinks that like uh criticism is uh, baloney and uh it you know, everybody should, you know, like what they like. No, I, I will, I will hear, I will read an album review and, you know, before, well, I should say before the days when you could like, you know, punch it up on YouTube or any streaming service, you know, the album in question, I would blindly buy an album based on, based on a written review in the past. That certainly happened. And it would be, sometimes it would be a glowing review and I'd be excited to hear it. And then sometimes it would be a garbage review and I'd still be excited to hear it. I'm that kind of person where, you know, I believe that if the person is, if you get a feel for the writing and the author of the review, you can kind of say, oh, well, uh, this person hates what I love. <laughs> you know, that can happen, right? It certainly can. Um, how many films have you loved and, you know, just were trashed by by a, a reviewer? I'm sure plenty, as that happens uh, constantly. You'll see, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes for any any movie, you'll see, like, it's great to watch because you can see the polarization between like the critics and uh, the the regular um, the regular viewers, non-critics, I suppose, the audience, right? They call them the audience, right? So you got the critics, and sometimes like the tomato rating will be like really high; it'll be like ninety-seven percent, and the the audience rating will be like a forty-two, you know, or vice versa. Sometimes you know it's like sometimes it's like. Uh, you know, like something like a very popular action movie with a huge star in it, you know. And obviously the audience loves their stars, you know, especially, uh, you know, people like The Rock <laughs> and uh, Jason Statham, these guys, right? <laughs> and they'll be excited to see their, their favorite stars in the movie. So they'll they'll give it overwhelmingly great praise. And meanwhile, the critics will be like, this is garbage, you know, you know, so there's no accounting for taste, but I, I think the point is made that like um, even a bad review can get you to to run out and see something or run out and enjoy something, whether it's music or a book or a movie. I should talk about other things here. I'm sort of rambling, but again, it's it's late. It's eleven o'clock. Uh, I'm not used to being up this late on a Sunday, <laughs> but I wanted to get this recording in and I wanted to tell you some stories. Um, uh, I guess I guess I should move into the Pentaveret. I should probably talk about that. I watched that whole thing. I think it, I think it only debuted like on the 
third, and I finished watching it yesterday. So, and I think I watched it like the first night it came out. So I'd watch an episode or two, and there were only six episodes of this thing. This is Mike Myers' project. I don't know if you you're familiar with it, but uh, it was on Netflix, and Mike Myers plays like nine characters in the thing. It's it's if you love Mike Myers, I think you're gonna love it. I I I liked it a lot. I don't know if I loved it, but I liked it a lot. And the premise is, uh, you know, the premise is there's sort of like a uh, Illuminati type uh, a group of, of gentlemen who are kind of running the world in secret, you know? And there's a whole, uh, there's a whole murder plot that goes along with it. And uh, there's some really interesting characters. Mike Myers does a lot of interesting characters, and you can see the immediate parallels to, to people because it's, it's supposed to take place in the present. So there's parallels to like people like Rupert Murdoch and uh, Alex Jones and... Uh, uh, you know, and, and a lot, there's even like a, wildly enough, there's a conspiracy theorist named Anthony from New Hampshire. <laughs> it's like one of the characters, like one of the main characters, probably like my favorite and the most funny character in this thing is this, this character whose name is, um, Anthony Lansdowne from New Hampshire. And it's like, holy crap, he kind of, he kind of got it right because the New Hampshire accent is not too far from the Massachusetts accent, dropping the R's a lot of times. And it's absolutely not unheard of for someone in rural New Hampshire to, uh, to kind of be into extremist theories, <laughs> conspiracy theories, you know, somebody who's kind of set apart from society. There's a lot of those folks up here for sure, you know. I talked to a lot of them, you know, so, so yeah, this character, Anthony Lansdowne, I was like, oh, he kind of nailed it. I was like, whoa, Mike Myers, good job. And of course, Mike Myers does uh, impressions. He does, he's got an Australian character and he's got a British character and he's got a, a Canadian character and he's good at all these voices. He does, a, he does some, some wonderful voices and wonderful impressions and there's a lot of prosthetics used uh, but, uh, yeah, if that sounds at all up your alley, if you like Mike Myers, and you like gross-out humor, because a lot of it is very much, like, poo-poo, pee-pee, vomit humor. <laughs> like, as long as you don't mind that. I, I, you know, like, given, when, when it's coming from Mike Myers, I don't mind it. I kind of like it. So, and, and I'm used to it, too. That, I, I mean, I grew up with, like, you know, Austin Powers and Wayne's World, and that was, you know, that was fun for me, you know, so, as a younger person, so... I still like it. And I like the fact that that he was able to do do this uh, six part pentaveret and have it you know have it work as well as it did. But I you know not perfect, but it's good. It's 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 pretty decent. I'm gonna get some water here. Excuse me one second. Oh, it's good. What else can I tell you? Oh my god, my dog almost pulled over an old woman yesterday. Like literally, like. Uh, there's this this old woman who 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 uh, <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like a like a, a, a like a, a story or a folktale or something. So old woman lives down the road. <laughs> it's like there's this old woman that lives down my street, and she has this little tiny dog named uh, Betty White. <laughs> true, true. And Betty White's a little white dog. It's like a tiny little white poodle or something. And the woman that walks Betty White is. Very old, looks to be in her 70s. I say very old, maybe late 70s. I mean, if my father hears me say, like, very old in 70s, he'll be offended. Uh, maybe this woman's in her 80s. How's that? And she's very old. She's, you know, she's very small, very, you know, sh you know, small frame and, 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 and skinny. You know, it's a very frail, frail woman. And, of course, she can handle Betty because Betty's a very tiny dog. And uh, Lola is, my dog, is extremely excitable. And whenever she sees... 
Another dog, no matter the size, she gets excited. Well, well, we were walking the other day, and there was uh, this old woman, and there was Betty White, the dog, and uh, <laughs> and Lola got excited, and she ran up to Betty White, and she's sniffing at her, and then, then Lola like ran around the woman, wrapping the um the leash around this woman's legs and the woman began to topple i swear to god and we're on a busy street we're like on the sidewalk on a busy street i grabbed <laughs> i felt so i grabbed the woman by the coat like i could literally feel the woman's heat from her body under the coat on my knuckles when i grabbed her like coat and because i was like oh my god if this woman falls i could i could there could be a lawsuit god knows that she could get injured she looks so frail, and meanwhile, like, so I'm holding her with one hand, the, the leash is wrapped around this old woman's legs, and I'm frantically, like, trying to, like, untangle her, like, with one hand, while simultaneously holding her up in a standing position as quickly as I can, and of course I'm apologizing, you know, like, profusely, I'm just like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm getting her untangled, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And unfortunately, I get her untangled, and, and then I, I shorten up the leash so Lola's, like, right there next to me, and I hold her behind me on this short, short leash because I've got one of those retractable leashes. And then I let this old woman go as soon as I realize she's on her feet, and I say, I'm so, so sorry. And she says, no, 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 no. And I'm walking away, and uh, and I, I, I just uh, I said to myself, I can never, never, never let Lola say hi to this dog again. This is, this, this, and and sure enough... That, you know, that happened earlier this week, and uh, two days ago, I was walking her, and I got to the end of the street, and I turned the corner, and there was this old woman with Betty White. I was just like, hello! I, like, waved, and I immediately crossed the street and went to the other side of the road, because I was like, like, just imagine, first of all, if that woman had fallen and, and hurt herself or broke a limb, I, I would have been in so much trouble. If that woman had fallen and, like, got run over by a car, oh my god, you know? Holy crap. So... Man, oh man, I'm just lucky. I just gotta be, I gotta be so careful with this dog, you know? She's, she, she, she can get, she, you know, she just, she gets tangled up and she gets so excited by other dogs. I brought her to the, um, the dog park today. I love taking her to the dog park. I always meet people there. I love talking to strangers. And of course, when you have a dog, it's easy to start up a conversation with with somebody you don't know because it's like, oh, hello, you know, what kind of dog is that? Uh, what's your dog's name, you know? <laughs> So there's a million things to talk about. Oh, excuse my dog. Oh, my dog's very friendly. My dog, blah, my dog, my dog, my dog, your dog, your dog, blah, blah, blah. It's so easy to, to, to talk to people. And it's, it's, I love it. I really love going and bringing Lola to the dog park. And she's, as I said, a very friendly dog, loves other dogs. And so, of course, and she's not aggressive. She's just very, very affectionate. And, uh, <laughs> and she's always up there, their tookus. She's always, her nose is always up the other dog's took. <laughs> Like, it's kind of embarrassing, you know? You know, it's like, it's like, all right, you gotta sniff. Can you, can you leave that dog took us alone, please? <laughs> but she will, like, she'll run around and have a blast with other dogs, you know? And uh, and people are good about it, too, you know? If their male dogs get too rowdy, you know, in the terms of, you know, the humping and everything like that, <laughs> you know, people will get, hey, 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 get away! Oh, you know, they'll pull their dog off and stuff. You'll see that. It doesn't it doesn't happen too often, but every once in a while you'll see, see a dog with a... Um, that gets a little too excited, you know, so, so everybody could have a good laugh about that, but, uh, yeah, so I brought Lola to the dog park today, and, uh, we played fetch, and she's good, man, we don't, we don't practice or anything like that, I don't, I don't have a fenced-in yard, I've got her on a lead in the backyard, but, um, 
you know, I've played a little bit of fetch with her in the backyard while she's on the lead, but it's really no fun. But I know if I take her off the lead, she'll, like, run. She'll just run. Because <laughs> it's happened. And uh, I had a leash break. I don't know if I told you. I had a leash break a couple weeks ago. And and I was like, all right, maybe she'll be okay. And I immediately started wandering off. I had to, like, take the harness off of her off of her torso and, like, turn the harness into a leash of sorts and attach it to her collar in order to get her home. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, um, she's a lot, man. But, you know, when I take her to the dog park, I just let her go. And she has a blast. And she's always well-behaved. And there's so much space to run around there. And I get to talk to people, which I love doing, because I love talking to, to all sorts of people. Met a met a nice couple today uh, who live in my city. Uh, they're readers. They like, uh, you know, they, they like literature. So we were talking about books. Gave the guy my number. I said, give me a call. He said, we'll go out and get coffee. And I was like, great. This sounds great. So, so, uh, so it's nice. Made a new friend. That's always, it's always nice, you know? And uh, especially when you have something in common, whether it's dogs, you live in the city, you both like to read, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? So we found that out right away. And, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, something comes of that, uh, that acquaintance, you know, and we, we get together and, and have some, have some laughs because it's, uh, you seem like a, a good fella. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, shoot, man. What else can I tell you? I, I, I don't know. I, um, I don't know if you, you watched Arcade Fire on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Uh, I did not. I can't believe that band's been on five times. And I think of like all the bands that have never been on Saturday Night Live. And it's kind of like, why? Why? Like, first of all, like, I'm not like, I'm like, like I have an Arcade Fire album. I think, I think I just have one. I think it's that Funeral album. And I barely listened to it when it came out. And it was like, I think it was the one they won like a Grammy for, or maybe that was the suburbs. I don't know. I remember listening to that one too. Uh, and then like the others I've gotten at the library, like the suburbs. And then they had, um, uh, what was it like reflector or whatever that one was the one like that was like a double album that was produced in part by the guy from LCD sound system. But like, they've never been a band that like particularly like bowled me over or I thought was like doing anything stunningly original or different, you know? Um, I know some people love them. Obviously, somebody at SNL loves them to book them five times. It's not like they're a New York band. They're a Canadian band. It's like, why are, why are they getting booked so often? Oh, remember the Neon Bible, too? They had an album called the Neon Bible. Yeah, everything, like, that, that, like, that type of band is, like, a, a quote-unquote library band. Like, you can, because it's so, like, popular and Grammys and all that nonsense that, like, the library will get every one of their albums. It's like, I never need to buy their albums. And uh, I never need to really hear them again. <laughs> I kind of get it. I've listened to them. I know they have a new album called, called We. I read a review of it. Speaking of reviews, uh, it was positively reviewed by uh, by Pitchfork. And uh, But it's like, I read it and I was like, I don't really care, you know? And But what bothered me more is like, the bo what bothered me more is like, uh, Arcade Fire have been on SNL five times now, and it's like, I think of how many bands, like, haven't. Like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, at my albums here, like, Dinosaur Jr. have never done SNL, you know? Like, why not have Dinosaur Jr. on SNL, you know? You, somebody mentioned, like, Yola Tango has never done S on SNL, are you kidding me? Like, they're right there. They're in, like, they're in, like, Hoboken, right? Why haven't you, why haven't you had, like, Yola Tango on? Like, I remember when somebody got bumped, and, uh, and who is it that does, um, oh, Mountain Goats. Yeah, then the Mountain Goats were, were, like, trying, petitioning to get themselves on there. It's like, yeah, have the Mountain Goats on SNL, for crying out loud, really. You know, like, so many bands haven't done it. I don't understand, like, why, why, like, 
Arcade Fire has done it so many times. I think the Strokes have done it like three or four times, but that makes sense. They're in New York. They're right there, you know? Foo Fighters have done it a few times, you know? In looking through the list, it, there's a lot of, like, surprises. Like, Sleigh Bells, I wouldn't have thought they did it, but they they, they were on the show. Uh, there's been some bands that I, I wouldn't have thought have played, but then there are so many others that I would have thought have played and, and never have. And just, it's surprising to me. Um, and to have Arcade Fire on five times is like, well, why? I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I guess maybe they just booking because they, they know it's a popular band. Maybe it's like the library thing. It's like, well, people like this. Yeah, it's like, well, you know what? Maybe if you introduce people to something new, they'd like that too. But if you don't ever introduce them to it, how are they going to know? You know? Like, really? You know, I, like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it'll, it'll drive me crazy if I think about it too much, you know? It'll get me upset because... You know, I listen to so much music, and there's so many deserving artists and bands that don't get the recognition or the attention that that I feel they 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 deserve for whatever reason, and it's it's really it's really too bad. But what are you gonna do, right? <sighs> well, I'm, I'll be back. I'm I'm gonna throw now to to our friend Rachel Hadaway, um, Rachel from Des Moines, if you please, uh, with uh, the chart chat. But uh, I will be back. But right now, here's Rachel from Des Moines with the chart chat. Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. It led to some great discussions on DC GoGo. And thanks to my friend John, a.k.a. Graham Friday, on Twitter, particularly for your comments. Before we get into the charts this week, I want to plug once again the Twitch stream of VJ Big Suit. Uh, he does live 80s and 90s video mixes. There's chatting, he takes requests, and he digs into the 70s, too. It's a lot of fun. You can follow VJ Big Suit on Twitter and on Twitch.tv. And he's even been kind enough to play some of the picks from this segment on his show. This week for the 70s chart, we're digging into 1975. And due to the scheduling vagaries of SiriusXM, this is the first 1975 chart we've done, even though it's been 13 weeks since I did the first one of these. Starting off at number 99, a debut song from D Dwight Twilley Band. It's called I'm on Fire. And Dwight Twilley was a musician out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it's said that he met his bandmate when they went to see uh, A Hard Day's Night at a movie theater in town. This was a power pop group, but I, which is how this single is classified. It seems like a little bit more boogie-ish than, than that to me, but it, that's what their genre is called. And it made it all the way to number 16. This is just one that has stuck with me since the first time I heard it. Uh, supposedly there's different versions between the single and the album version, so check both of those out and see what you think. At number 92 this week is Leah Roberts with her cover of Freeze All Right Now. And I love a good cover, and especially of a lady singer covering a song done by a male rock group. And uh, her version only made it to 90, number 92 on the Hot 100, but it got to number 54 on the R&B chart. And I read that she also covered Neil Sedaka's Laughter in the Rain. At number 75 is one of my faves. It's Shame, Shame, Shame by Shirley and Company. And I really love the album art for this one. It's a little cartoon drawing of her next to Richard Nixon. One of the best uses of this song is in the movie Pride, which is about a group of gays and lesbians from London that went to Wales, to a Welsh mining town, to help the miners in the early 80s when they were on strike and facing a lot of pressure and crackdowns by the Thatcher government. And there's a scene where the they're kind of trying to get the two groups to mix, and Dominic West, who played McNulty on The Wire, does an amazing dance to this song. So definitely uh, look up that movie, Pride. At number 64, 
Uh, we have Led Zeppelin on the chart with Trampled Underfoot from their album Physical Graffiti. This song made it to number 38, although the album was a number one album for the band, as many of theirs were. And this is kind of one of those gotcha songs where you wouldn't necessarily, kind of like the uh, Bob O'Reilly as played out in Joe Para, you wouldn't know that it's the title of the song, so you can have a little bit of rock and roll knowledge that this is Trampled Underfoot, even though it's kind of just extended metaphors about cars. At number 63 is Supertramp with Bloody Well Right, and this is off of their third album, and they were originally a prog band and had kind of gone into more of a pop direction for this album, and it got them on the charts, and it got them a top 40 hit. This song made it to number 35, and I honestly, I don't know how much Supertramp are known. I really like pretty much anything I've heard of theirs. This is a really good one. I think maybe the Breakfast in America stuff is a little more well-known, but I, I think you might like this one. At number 53 is a song called You Brought the Woman Out of Me by Evie Sands, singer-songwriter from New York. And unfortunately she didn't write this one because I thought it had some pretty clever lyrics and one of the things that caught my ear was she referred to someone as being like the 4F kid, which was a status in the U.S. Selective Service in the draft. If you had a 4F status, you were considered as unfit to serve and so if you could somehow get yourself that 4F status, you could you would not have to worry about being drafted, so the, the guy in this song. Or I'm wildly misinterpreting it and she meant he got four Fs on the report card. Or maybe it's a kind of a, a pun almost, I'm not sure. But she seems really like just one of those people that have very talented but just never got their big break from reading up on her. At number 33, we have an Honest to God polka song on the chart. We have Bobby Vinton with the Beer Barrel Polka. I read about him, it said he was the Polish prince. He was of Polish and Lithuanian descent. And he was kind of one of these 50s crooners that uh, he'd been a teen idol, he just kind of stuck around. And so I'm guessing he wanted to make a polka record as a nod to his heritage. At number 26, we have Kraftwerk with their song Autobahn. And this would make it to number 25 in the US, um, but it was a hit around the world. And I, oddly enough, it was did the best in New Zealand. It went to number four in New Zealand and number nine in, in their homeland of Germany. In the lyrics of the song, it's in German. It, it sounds like he's saying fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn, but it's Fahren, which is like driving. We drive, drive, drive on the Autobahn. And I just kind of assumed they were making a musical joke, like making a spoof on the Beach Boys, but supposedly it was just a weird coincidence. But just, yeah, this is something very different on the charts. It wouldn't maybe necessarily expect it to hear it on an American chart in 1975, but it seemed like people were into it. At number 23 is La Belle with Lady Marmalade. This was a number one hit for the group. So this is uh, Patti LaBelle's group that she had before she went solo. They were known for their space age uh, glam rock stage costumes. And they had been kind of a funk band. This is kind of a theme in our charts this week. They had been more of a funk band. They kind of went into a little more of a different direction with this one. Kind of a, a rock and soul song. And everyone knows this from the French lyrics. Uh, Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Oh, I forgot to mention that Biro Biro Polka had some Polish lyrics. We've got Polish, German, and French uh, in our charts this week. Now we're heading into the 80s. We have a chart from 1980 this week, April 26th. Uh, starting us off, we have the B-52s with their first charting single, Rock Lobster. There were two different versions of this single that were released, first on the DB Records and then later uh, Warner Brothers, which was this version here. This made it to number 56 in the States, but it actually went to number one in Canada on their RPM chart and number three in Australia. And I first encountered this song on the Time Life Sounds of the 70s on the Punkin' New Wave disc, and it's a lot of fun. At number 76, we've got a band out of Kansas City called Shooting Star with their song, You've Got What I Need. And if there's anything I like more than nine minute funk songs, it's 
kind of just generic AOR, uh, you know, rock, melodic rock songs. And that's what this is, and it sounds great. And if you like that kind of music, you should check it out. It's a look them up a little bit just because now that I go and look up what the peak of everything was, I learned little facts about these guys. And they were the first US group signed to Virgin Records. And kind of in that same genre of music at number 75 is the group Spider with their song New Romance, in parentheses, It's a Mystery. And this would do a little better, that uh, Shooting Star song only made it to 76, but this got up to number 39. And there was some members of this group that would go on to be more well-known. Um, you had Holly Knight on keyboards, who became a songwriter, and also on drums was Anton Figg, who is known for playing in Paul Schaefer's band on David Letterman's show, and he also worked with Kiss. At number 72, we have the jazz fusion group Spyro Gyra with their song Catching the Sun. Spyro Gyra is from Buffalo, New York, and they've just, they've really been at it for a long time. They have a, kind of an interesting sound. I think some people might call them smooth jazz, but they're really more known as jazz fusion. And this song made it to number 68 on the Hot 100, but number 15 on Adult Contemporary. I think Spyro Gyra is kind of one that people think of with uh, the Weather Channel. If you like that Weather Channel music, you'd probably like Spyro Gyra. At number 62, we have The Knack with Can't Put a Price on Love. And 62 was as high as this would get. This was off their second album that came out. So Get the Knack was their first record in 79, which had the huge hits of My Sharona. And the follow-up was Good Girls Don't. You know, they were so big that people, they had a backlash to them. There was Nuke the Knack. People got pretty sick of them. So then they kind of were facing an uphill battle with their second record. I really like this one. It's a little bit of a different sound for them, more of a ballady type of thing. Maybe you could dance to it, slow dance to it. At number 60, we have our recent, uh, recently named Hall of Fame inductee, Pat Benatar, Long Island's own, with We Live For Love. And this is off of her very first album, and it was the fifth single from that record. And th that album also had Heartbreaker, which I, at least for me, I think of was as this huge hit, but it was only number 23, and this song was number 27. And We Live For Love is a little more of a new wavy sound, I feel like, for Pat Benatar. Like, if you said this was done by, you know, some cool new wave group with a girl lead singer, you, you're not ben Pat Benatar, you might you might believe them. Maybe a lesser known one for her, but I really like it. At number 29, we have Lips Inc. with Funky Town on its way to number one. This one is another one of those kind of tricky ones where the album it was on came out in 79, but the single was released in 1980. So they both decades kind of have, have a claim to it. And they were from Minneapolis. And supposedly this song was about wanting to move to New York City. So therefore I think the Hold Steady needs to cover Funky Town. This was, I, I think everybody knows the song. I'm not introducing you to anything you don't know, but I just really like it. And I wanted to put it on my chart. Picks. At number 28, uh, down from a peak of number 19, are The Whispers with And The Beat Goes On. And they were an R&B uh, funk group from L.A. And they've been releasing music since the 60s. And they kept releasing songs t through the 90s. I first heard of this song from the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack. And it was a number 11 hit on the soul charts. And finally, from 1980 this week, we have Ambrosia at number 17, on its way up to number 3 with Biggest Part of Me. And that actually tied their earlier uh, hit single, How Much I Feel. And so Biggest Part of Me was off their fourth album. And kind of like Super Champ, they started out as a prog band and then kind of went in a little bit of a more poppy direction with their third album. I kind of like all of, all of their eras. I, I think they just had a lot of talent, a lot of musicianship, and they just made some good songs. Well, that's all from, from me this week. Uh, thanks so much, Andy. Back to you. Thank you, Rachel. Love that chart chat. You know, I'd always thought it was fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn. 
I had no idea until I heard Rachel say it just then that it's not, it's actually what farn 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 on the autobahn. Yeah, uh, all my life I've always thought it was fun fun fun. Wild, always informative. I always always I uh, learn new things on the chart chat. Love the chart chat. I hope you guys like that that segment. We got one more segment for you before we finish out. Uh, for this episode, Tommy Tallahassee uh, graced us with a game he hosted, and uh, the contestants were yours truly and uh, and Rachel. And uh, the game is called Joe Biden, Joe Budden, or Joey Bishop. Now I'll I'll tell you in advance. There's a, a a theme song that plays out for a while. I gotta hang in there for a little bit, but uh, the show will be there. I promise, and uh, you'll enjoy it. Check out this uh, check out this little game show that Tommy came up with. Joe Biden, Joe Budden or Joey Bishop. Here it is. From the fallout shelter far beneath the Richard M. Nixon Presidential Library, it's America's fastest running game show, Joe Biden, Joe Budden, or Joey Bishop. That's right, it's America's fastest running game show, Joe Biden, Joe Budden, or Joey Bishop. I'm here joined with Rachel from Iowa and Andy from New Hampshire. Andy, as I always have to ask you, what happened, what was wrong with the old Hampshire? Why they have to make a new one. All right. So we all know how this game is played. I'm going to read a quote from one of these three men, and you're going to tell me whether it is President Joe Biden, uh, Def Jam rapper and video game character Joe Budden, or the worst member of the Rat Pack, Joey Bishop. So here we go. All right. Wait, before, before you begin... Tommy, if you don't mind me asking, are the, are the questions going to be asked to us individually, or, or, or are you going to ask them out? And it's going to be, uh, oh yes, you're, you're correct, it's going to be individual, uh, I'm just going to ask you out, it's it's easier to do on Zoom than to have you guys try to buzz in, because it's... So you're going to ask us individually? Individually, okay. correct, right. uh, and we'll just go uh, as the uh, chivalry rules, ladies first, so Rachel from Iowa, you'll be first. Uh, the first question, uh, sorry, the first quote. I gotta click on this other page too. My production assistant is uh, on strike. <laughs> My staff is always on strike. It's a fun, it's a fun bit. All right, so when my first semester grades came out, my ba- my mom and dad told me I wouldn't be playing football. Uh, Joe Biden. That is correct. One point for Rachel. Andy. There are many things that I find attractive about a woman. Foremost to me, of course, would be a sense of humor, but that doesn't come in a bottle. Oh, I'm going to guess that's Joey Bishop. That is correct. Joey Bishop. Nice. Rachel. Well, you know this guy Corn Pop, he was a real bad dude. (laughs) That's President Joe Biden. That is correct. Andy. I came up battling and just wanting to compete. Even if you had no real problem with someone, you just wanted to compete. Oh, I'm going to have to say that's that's that sounds like Joe Budden. That's correct. That is Def Jam's Joe Budden. Oh, and I just had a cat walk on my keyboard. Hold on one second. Technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Why try yes. to fit in when you can stand out? 
Joy Bishop? No, Joe Budden. Joe Budden. We had our first loss. Ah. Hmm. Andy. A woman driver went through a red light. The cop stopped her and said, Lady, didn't you see that red light? The woman said, Eh, you seen one, you seen them all. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Joey Bishop. That's correct. That is Joey Bishop. Rachel. One time we were having dinner and some guy came by and took a potato off of Frank Sinatra's plate. And Frank said, <laughs> Hey, pal, are you hungry? And the guy says, Yeah. And Frank said, Sit down. And he gives the guy his dinner. I thought for sure there was going to be trouble from the guy surrounding Frank, you know, but Frank says, geez, relax, the man's hungry. <laughs> yes, I can have a potato if Frank Sinatra says it's okay. <laughs> I gotta be Joey Bishop. That is correct. I, I would have been surprised if that was Joe Budden. Yeah, I would have been too. <laughs> Andy. What's the score, Tommy? Oh, sorry. Uh, the score is three to two. You, Rachel, has missed one question. Uh, Andy, up late talking to the fans on a website. That's the only thing that sends your man off to bed, right? Oh, that, that's got to be that's got to be Joe Budden. That is correct, Joe Budden. <laughs> Rachel, look. Sometimes the truth could hurt you, so I blow my cig smoke right out at the truth commercial. <laughs> Joe Budden? That is correct. Ah. <laughs> I hope that wasn't Joe Biden. It would be great if it was. Now, Is there a blow by six smoke? At, yeah. at the truth if commercial. If Jack, it would have been funnier. <laughs> yeah. Andy, if I don't run for president, we'll all be okay. If I don't run for president, we'll all be okay. Oh, I'm gonna say Joey Bishop. No, it's Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden. That is Joe Biden. <laughs> oh dear. So Rachel, you have a chance to now? you have a chance to tie the game up now. It, it should be tied right now. We both missed one, right? Or no? Okay, it's, it's it'll be tied now. I see what you're it'll saying. It'll be tied okay. now. Yeah. Rachel went first. Yeah. Rachel, take away what we love, we all be Joe Paterno. Ooh. <laughs> Do not ask me Joe what Budden? this means. Yeah, that is Joe Budden. That's correct. You have now tied the game. We're going to go, all, all right. right. <laughs> it's an exciting chance. We're going to have one final bonus question. we got to figure out what it is. And find a good one. All right, this is going to be a toss-up. So whoever knows it first is going to have to come in, come in. Oh, do, hot. We have to, do we have to like, uh, do we have to like ding in or something? Yeah, just say your name. That's whoever yells their name out first. Got it. I loved it till it resented me, and if it's still a stranger, then I love it who it pretends to be. Rachel. Rachel. Joe Budden. That is correct. Rachel wins. Thank you for playing oh, Joe Biden, me. Joe Budden, or Joey Bishop. All right. Very nice. Thank you, Tommy Tallahassee, for that game. As you can tell, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed myself. There were some surprising answers, uh, to say the least. My goodness, uh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Tommy Tallahassee. What, what else have I got to share with you guys? You know what? Not much. I gotta. I gotta find my outro notes here. Hang on a second. I think they're on the floor over here. 
Where are my outro notes? Probably should have got these ready before I I started recording. Here they are. What the heck episode was this? 227? I think it was. Alright. Hope you guys have a great week. Or have had a great week, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, this has been episode 227 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. Thank you, Tommy Tallahassee. We love you. Peace.